Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Lavin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field and people who have a general interest in the topic. So far, we have spoken to so many inspiring stories and you are about to hear another. We want to show that having a stammer is okay and it shouldn't hold you back. We talk about the greats and the lows of life with and without a stammer. We have spoken to people from India, UK, USA, Australia, Ireland, Italy, and across the world. We have created campaigns and speaking challenges to push people outside of their comfort zones. Not only is Stammer Stories here to support you, we are here to inspire you. We want to make you feel safe and brave to know everyone's voice is worth hearing about. So that's all for now and time to listen to today's episode. So, welcome back to Stammer Stories. My name is William, I'm your host and founder of a podcast and this episode is a very special episode and I talk about my neurodiverse journey for many, many, I think we've done over 50 episodes and I think I've mentioned it in every one of those episodes and one word you hear me talk about quite a lot is superpower and we'll be talking about that today because for a lot of people superpower is a very some people like it, some people don't, but to me, it defines who I am because I see my neurodiversity and my stomach as my superpower. You may be thinking, where are you going with this? Because I am joined by uh, Bradley Richards, who you may know him from Hearts of it, but now he is an author and he's just launched a, a incredible book, which is, when I saw the title of it, and Bradley will talk to you more about it, it does, I could relate to it instantly and this is also one of our first neurodiverse focused episodes so you'll learn about a lot about life being neurodiverse things and not to do we're a neurodiverse person and yeah just a general chat so welcome to the podcast thank you for having me <laughs> so can you just introduce yourself and tell the viewers a bit about you yeah uh so my name is Brady Richards um I recently have been in Heartstopper season two, playing James McEwen, who is um, a boy who's always gone to the school, um, but he's had more light because he uh, takes a fancy into Isaac, um, and that's more that's explored more in the, within season two. Um, so I'm I've done a lot of acting, um, but I thought I wanted to use the platform that I've received from the show, um, and use my platform in a positive way to spread representation of um, being autistic and being neurodivergent and that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and I think we'll talk about more about how the power of social media and neurodiversity but also how you can change your platform to for different uses and I think it's a really interesting perspective but before we recorded so I thought Bradley didn't have a stammer, so I had planned some questions about talking to Bradley about stammering does from my perspective, and then he messaged me a few hours before me, like, oh, fun fact, I've got a stammer, which makes this episode even better, and I can actually relate to some of your stammer story as well. So, you told me that you had a stammer for a few years, do you mind just yeah. t- telling me a bit about your stammer, but also what it was like, how you found life with a stammer, because it was at that age group where you can remember stuff about it. It's so weird, because it's something that I don't 
recall on a lot. Like I don't ever sit down and remember it because I think it was, I think in that time, because I was, it was between I was like nine to 13. Um, and that's the time where you do a lot of growing up, not a lot of growing up, but you start to know who you are as a person. So I lacked a lot of confidence in the sense of, um, like I was getting bullied for having a stammer, which didn't help at all. Um, so yeah, I I think because it, it was quite like a like a negative time regarding having a stammer. That's why I don't recall it a lot. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I, don't, I just don't recall it a lot. But yeah. I remember going to um, down the road. I literally remember it so like I remember this very clearly. Um, I would be I'd go down the road with my mum or my dad, and there was like a um, I can't remember what the like the speech place was called, but I I would always go every Wednesday to get speech. Is it called speech therapy? I don't know what it's called. Yeah, speech, speech I don't... language. Therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his name, I think his name was like Andrew or something like that. Um, and I remember going there, and that was the one time that I felt so confident. Like I felt, I felt so positive. He had such a positive like view on everything, and I would never see that. And as soon as I would go back to school, it would just be like. Damn, where where is this positivity that I need from Andrew? <laughs> um, but yeah, right, so like it's what we're saying on on your previous episode. How I can really remember. So I had, I think I, I I've had my stomach my whole life. Still do, yeah. and, and I will until I die. I know it's a bit morbid, but that's life with a stomach. And I can still navigate you to speech and language therapy room. I had my therapy I can still tell you what the room looked like I can still and because I had speech review for the first 10 years of my life every single week yeah that was the norm but you are right how when you're in in like the safety bracket and it was really weird when I first walked into the Michael Palin center and still now the moment that I walk in I I just feel a massive sense of like yeah it's a really weird sensation because even though my stammer's fine now, and I, well, I still stammer, but still walking into that building with a massive sense of relief in that room, <laughs> and it's a feeling you can't really tell, describe to other people, because you know that, even though normally for a lot of people, like, doctor's surgeries or, like, waiting rooms in lots of different places can give people, yeah. like, anxiety, like, they hate it. There's something different about a speech and language therapy waiting room, because you feel like it's the only time that you can use your voice in a sense that you can't use it to other people. And you're talking about bullying just brings back floods of, like, I used to hate the school register. Uh, just uh, being annoying. My, my, my worst one was, um, I remember that, my, so my favourite programme was Rory the Racing Car. Yeah. And I really struggled with my R's. And I remember it would always be like, you know, when they do like, a, oh, yeah, let's do a question for the register or something random. And I would always want to say Rory the racing car. But I felt, I literally felt when it felt, when the question was like, what's everyone's favourite TV? I was literally like this. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, the one day I did go for it, then that's when people started taking a mick from that. Um, so that's where it kind of, the building stemmed from, Rory the racing car. And it was an awesome show. So why should I feel so negative about it? <laughs> Yeah, it was a very, very good show, and it's weird how I had completely forgotten about it until now. Like, I know, oh, I, I, I do forget about it time to time, and then I'm like, I'm going to search up on YouTube and see, yeah. see, see how we're always doing. Because of the recording, and <laughs> it's just a really, like, one of the things that I picked up from what you just said is that how 
you have that safety net, but then reality can hit mm. as quickly as a few seconds. Like in new room, you just go back. Do you remember how how severe your stammer was? Um, I I remember what. Yeah, I remember. I remember it, it was it like impacted me. Um, but I'm not sure like what the severity of it is. Um, because I I've, I've never met anyone with a stammer before that. So really um yeah so during my yeah like even during when I was um meeting up with Andrew going through stuff I still never met anyone with stammer have you now to to a stone um I really don't think I have really yeah which is really interesting apart from yours (laughs) um but I really I really don't think I have wow that's really so what did you I'm actually quite fascinated by it because either it's well, I, I I can also believe it because a lot of people who stammer never meet another person who stammers. Yeah. But there's about one point five million people in in the UK who have a stammer. Yeah. And there's and and it's in uh, there's seventy million people worldwide that also have a stammer, and um, but possibly for all you, there's I may say one in one hundred people. And so you have probably come come across situations where another person in that setting has a stomach you just have no idea. And when you look back, do you think your stomach could have tailored your thought process about wanting to go into acting? Like, had you started doing like performing arts when you were at that age, and did that affect your mindset? Yeah, with your stomach. Uh, that's really interesting. So when I was, um. So I, I, I had non-speaking autism until I was around nine. So then when I did start um, speaking and using that as a way to communicate through words, um, that's when I discovered I had a stammer. Um, but through my, um, uh, through my, what's the word? I'm trying to find the word. <laughs> through my um, journey with having a stammer when I was like nine to 13, my nan uh, suggested to go to, like drama not drama school but like you know a weekend school just to gain confidence because I think the whole the whole process from like eight years old to when I was 13 it was like a massive journey for me um so like my confidence would get knocked and then I won some days I'd be really confident some days I would not um so when I was nine to 13 my nan was like oh you should go to like um a like a drama weekly thing um so that's what I did I went onto Wednesday so I actually stopped going to my uh, stammer um things with Andrew and I actually I don't know why I keep saying Andrew <laughs> I keep bringing his name up shout out Andrew. <laughs> um <laughs> his name's probably not even Andrew now <laughs> um and then I actually checked like um went to drama lessons instead um in like a local local one literally down the road um and I remember walking in I was literally the only boy there so that was a bit like I can't go in I can't go in this is scary um and then from that moment on, it just, my confidence just kept growing. And then I was like, okay, this actually could be something I could want to, to do, like, like what I'd want to do for the rest of my life type thing. Um, and I remember the teacher brought, bringing over my parents, like, I know he was here, like, to gain confidence and to, like, like work on communication and speak to people and um, go through them different feelings, like being overwhelmed, but still, like, finding ways to get through it type thing. Um, and, but they were like, he's he's actually good like he can actually do something with this um but I feel like with the stammer 
I feel like I've never, like for example, I've I've um like gone to drama school, I've um done a job now, and it's I've and I've still never met anyone in the industry with a stammer, which I find is crazy. Um, so I feel like for a confidence thing, it could have um paved my way with what I wanted to do, but I wouldn't have let it. I wouldn't have let it. Yeah. Um, I feel like. I think that's a, ma a massive thing within the arts industry. It's like, you want to see someone you can relate to. Um, yeah. And if I didn't have that, that would, a confidence thing, it would just lit, I would feel like I couldn't have done it. Um, but I feel like as I got over, uh, older, I, I felt like I realised like I can do, I can do anything basically. Um, wow. And nothing can stop me in it. And that's why I like to use it as my superpower, yeah. um, which I like the term, but yeah. I feel like I just rambled on for so long. <laughs> yeah, such a interesting answer. Like it's like there's like I've spoken to like a few journalists or like presenters who have a stammer, and they say the moment the camera turns on or like the recording button goes, the stammer just goes. And like there's Haley Hassel who does BBC Radio for Women's Hour, and she said if I'm writing my radio show, bam, I don't stammer at all. But if I'm reading the breaking news headlines that's when I'll stammer in my program because it's not something I've pre-written. Mm. But she's like, if I didn't have my stammer, I would be a different... I don't think I would have the confidence to be able to present. Like, it's weird how my stammer has given me a weird yeah. confidence, unique boost. And it's like Rowan Atkinson, how, like, he did Blackadder with a stammer, then he didn't get any jobs, and then Mr Bean wouldn't exist because it was his stammer, and mm. he just kept on getting turned away from auditions, auditions. And that, and um, you look how big Mr Bean is. And that's all because that's down from his stammer, which is yeah. a weird perspective. But I've heard a lot of people who go into like singing or go into dancing or like go into acting to sort of as a confidence boost for their stammer. Because I mean, my friend, mm. she doesn't stammer when she acts, but she has a really severe stammer. Otherwise, and I think the arts is a really interesting area for the stammer because you're, uh, and I've been had a conversation about Gareth Gates about how his stammer, like going through Pop Idol and then like doing SAS and doing like different musicals. When he's on stage, his stammer goes away, but outside yeah. stage, his stammer is still. But now I would love to talk to you about your superpower. So, yeah. Having a superpower is a very special thing, but also it makes us a person who we are. However, the superpowers that we're going to be talking about hasn't always had the positive side effects as yeah. it may do now. And you may hear these superpowers and, and you may come to your own conclusions until you actually hear about it from a from the individual's perspective. I spoke about my superpowers about life of dyslexia. And even though that I work with numbers every single day, I still can get by. And dyspraxia, like some people don't realize how dyspraxia may affect people, but like I can't drive a manual car. I can only drive a automatic through coordination. Yeah. Riding a bike is a dyspraxia's worst nightmare. And, but also I am mildly autistic. And it's only recently because I thought, oh, it only happens when you're young. It doesn't happen when you get older. But actually, there are so many things that I do now that I'm like, huh, that's my superpower. And you're very open about your 
about your superpowers. Can you just tell us more about your journey and what your superpowers are? Yeah, um, so when I was nine, I got told I was autistic. Um, and I, I feel like from that moment, a lot of things were made, like made sense basically. Um, and I always, like you said, like it always, there'd always be like a negative stigma around being autistic and their negative impacts, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stupid. Um, it'd be blind to say that there isn't, that it's all positive. It, that would be a stupid thing to say. Cause there is, there is barriers, there is struggles, especially within the arts industry. Um, that I face barriers and struggles every day with being autistic, but it was the lack of representation when I was younger, let alone the positive representation, um, which I felt like I wanted to be that positive representation to for the other people bef um, after me and maybe like before me type thing. Because um, there's always this negative stigma around being autistic, which is why I wanted to give that positive light back to being autistic using the word superpower. Um, because it's also a term my parents used to use a lot when I was younger. So it's always got like a special place in my heart. Because um, they would always say, it's your superpower, like use it. Like how like, um, I'm trying to think of super uh, here and now, like how Elastic Girl uses her elastic, use yours. Um, and I think that's why I want to call it a superpower. And that's why I do call it a superpower. Um, yeah. And I, I think having more positive, positivity about being different being um neurodivergent is it's just gonna it's just gonna create more of a a positive mindset for the younger generations as well as even if you're not neurodivergent can't say the word neurodivergent it will still create more of a positive stigma around it so other people yeah. are more positive about it and not not as negative about it because that's where the bullying happens and that's why people felt like the, the, the bullying comes from people not understanding you. I mean, it, and which is stupid, but, um, and I feel like having the more positive stigma around being autistic will, it won't cancel it hundred percent, but it, I think everyone just needs more positive mindset regarding being neurodivergent um, and it will make everyone happier. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely love how you describe that. And I think, being told that from such a young age is, I think, is a very important thing. Mm. I think it it helps your brain factor it into every day because it gives you that understanding of, like, if you do something, it's not just you being stupid or, like, it's not you being yeah. mean. It's actually a, a part of being autistic that's that trait relates to. And mm. I think we are so good now at not stereotyping being disabled because before if you had said disabled you would automatically assume wheelchair but actually now there's so many different types of being disabled where you just don't assume it could be like maybe visually impaired or you may be like there are so many things that you don't assume but sadly yeah. the neurodiversity stigma is quite a sad stigma and i think it's also where like something where people just assume the worst if you tell someone you are autistic they assume that you're going to be severely autistic and not yeah and i think it's that understanding of like you shouldn't judge the scale of someone before you know them because i've had it where i've told people that oh, i've got a stammer 
And I don't mean, oh, I didn't notice it. Do you actually have a start? And it's like, yeah, but it just depends on, on like an everyday basis how yeah comfortable I am. But I think there's things I was like being the whether autistic aspect, you do beat up yourself because there's so, so many things you think, why did I do that? Why did I say that to that person? Or mm. why am I being like that? And it's like actually there's things that I know that I can't say sorry for because it's a part of me that is an area that I find harder to process. And when I told my team at work that I was, when I, I, I now describe it as my Long Island iced tea, depending on who I'm talking to or different neurodiversities. And and I, I when I did an event for International Stowing Awareness Day and I had Jack Darling, the TikTok, TikToker, who's not neurodiverse, actually he's dyslexic and doesn't understand what and we had a really open conversation about mental health and being like neurodiverse and it's a really interesting and I said oh I am autistic looked at my manager she literally looked at me and was like are you was I was like yeah but I mean a few months before my director called me so oh can you call me so so I literally dialed her in in like a panic thinking oh god what have I done she's like my sister's autistic and I found this account that her boyfriend so I can help her boyfriend understand something about her and she's like read this page just read use so I was like okay tell me what's <laughs> then I was like yeah I do that yeah that's me yeah I do that I was like oh god it's literally a self-checklist she's like see I don't see it in an everyday basis but when I read like different traits I'm like yeah you do I was like yeah. Now I sort of see, not the funny side of it, and now I can be like, yep, I definitely do it. And it helps me just understand my way of thinking. And I was talking yeah. to um, Fern Brady, who does Taskmaster, and she said, and, and I'd love to get your opinion on it. She said, when you're working in like studios or like whenever you're on a job, having all, being autistic, there's there's certain things that you need for a sensory perspective, like, but also you don't want to come across and like a diva that yeah. you can't have you can't have your dressing room lights too bright because some people may think oh why why but actually it's like a sensory perspective and it's like there are certain aspects where you sound like you're being really really fussy but actually it can cause a sensory overload if you don't yeah. do it. Have you experienced that? Like when you've been like on a set, have there been anything that you've oh, this is slightly triggering, but it's quite hard yeah. to describe to people. Um, it's really funny, actually, because I always thought, so when I went to drama school for three years, um, one of my teachers were neurodiverse, and they we we had a really nice relationship, and they, they would always say, um, like, he, he would always be like, you've taught me so much about myself, and I've I'm so glad I've taught you so much about yourself. Um, and he would always prepare me that the industry wasn't as... Um, accessible as I think that's the right word accessible yeah it wasn't as accessible as um it should be um so when I got heart supper the first email they said was like welcome like thank you so much for coming not coming but thank you so much for accepting the role whatever they would say and then they said um uh, we know Bradley's autistic is there any uh requirements he would need and I was a bit like really? yeah I was a bit like wow. uh, and I Obviously, it was my first job, so I didn't want to sound like a diva. When I should have, I should. It was not. It's not being a diva. It's yeah. just being. It's just having basic 
like excess food needs um and I just like no nothing thank you so much <laughs> which is because it was my first joy it's like you've got that's what I've always thought in my head like the industry doesn't wait for anyone so you've just got a I was I was very grateful to be in that position so I was I should but I should have said some things um so then when I went on set um yeah it, it was so like it had I already had already had a positive like mindset around being on set because they've asked me if I needed like needed any special requirements and it's it was kind of it was it kind of took me back it was a bit like okay um but also when I was on set I did I did come across some some things um I just remember there was one day that we were in like these woods um and it was just like it was really fun it was a really fun day um but it was evening and I just remember feeling really tired and just really like oh my god I need to go home <laughs> a bit like I've been in these woods for too long and I'm like but this is my job but I've been in the woods for too long and then I remember like um going to the makeup chair at uh, the makeup and the makeup team is so nice in this job they're so lovely um and then you know they what the, there's a makeup artist called Shawsha and she just she just got me straight away from the from the get go. Like when she was cutting my hair, um, I was just like, I'm sorry if I go really silent. <laughs> and she was like, No, I get it. Um, because I whenever I get my hair cut, I go really silent because it's just very overwhelmed. I'm, I'm just like this. <laughs> but everyone like speaks to each other when they get the hair cut. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not being rude. I'm just I'm just yeah. give me a minute. Um, but she got me straight away. So Sasha was, um, amazing on the team. And I remember this day we were in the woods. We got back. And usually you would get like a D-rig, so you get like your makeup taken off, like whatever you had. And I just walked in and went, I need to go home. Like, I was like, I can't have my makeup off today. I need to get in that taxi. I'm going to go in that bath and I'm going to take it off myself. Because yeah. sometimes it's like when you're lying in the makeup chair, they put like a, they wash it off and then it's, re it's really nice. When you're feeling it, it's really good. And then they put like a, um, what's it called? It's the flannel on your face yeah. and they grab it. And I was just like, that's going to be too much for me today. Yeah. But thank you so much. Hope you see you in the morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so, yeah, it kind of just took me back that they even asked that because um, I was so set up for just staying silent about yeah. how I felt type thing. But yeah, yeah, it was really, really cool. Really cool. <laughs> wow. That's, that's so interesting how you mentioned like, like certain things. Like, I don't think neurodiverse, like, non-neurodiverse people can understand how quick we can shut off because literally yeah. anything can just make sorry yeah done yeah. like once so we've got a pub at the office and sometimes it's really busy because i don't open the doors to go outside into a certain time once i walked in and my brain was just like nope and then someone said to my friend was like I'm really sorry, but either we go to another pub or I'm going home because this is just too much. And I said, oh, it's not that bad. It will die down. I was like, no, if we stay in this location any longer, I am going to have a, have a silent breakdown. So I will. And I said, oh, okay, let's just go to another pub. And I was like, okay, thank you for that. I was like, I didn't want to make too much of a scene, but I just knew that if I had stayed in that spot for any longer. Yeah. I think... There are certain things that I also think non like we have our own little ways that if anyone just drops that way, it's a bad, bad thing to do. Like if there's any like or like people don't understand like certain fabrics, like the way how certain things feel or like certain sounds can just like was was it catching my tube the other day and it was round because it was rush hour and i'm because yeah. i'm six six i have to fold myself into any small location and i was in curved by the door 
and, and it was one of those really high pitched trains and I thought I just have to not do anything until I get off this tube because my brain just couldn't process all these different things. Got off, walked for location, was like to to the event that I was gonna say. I may be a bit late. I just need to compose myself before I walk into the venue just so I can just yeah. get my re and so yeah, sure, that's fine. Because people know, because they know I've got my stomach, I mean, no, I, I talk about it, you know, they just know not to question anything, which I think is a really key thing. And I, I was doing a thing on Channel 4 where it's like, do you tick that box? And it's like, do you have a disability? Or like, do you have learning difficulty? Are you neurodiverse? And it's like, for me, if I didn't tick that box, I, I wouldn't be where I am in my career. If I didn't, because it meant that my team could support me. Exactly. I think were you very open to like your agent or like to any jobs that you are autistic and to flag it with any jobs yeah it was so when I went for so obviously I um on the like the not the contract but on like this form thing I can't remember what form there's so many forms and um, they ask um if you have any like learning difficulties any disabilities um and um, aut- uh, autist being autistic or being that uh, autism was on there so I ticked I ticked it um and then they just asked me about uh, about it and then that's when they said if you need any requirements um just let like let us know uh which was amazing and then with my agent it was a very open conversation from the get-go which was really cool um because on spotlight now they have like a so which is I don't know if you how much you know about spotlight but it's like a am casting hub basically and you have your face on there and it says everything about you um and then at my spotlight says I was neurodiverse so obviously when um I went for my new agent meeting they asked me about it and then they were asking me would you want to go for autistic roles as well as um non-autistic roles um and I was like yeah and it was was just like a chill open conversation which kind of like surprised me because sometimes it's like you overthink what you're going to say all the time it's like oh my god what they asked me Do, do I like downplay everything do I pretend like everything's really easy for me but um but it was just so open and so chill and it was just like the industry does have to change um to make it more accessible for everyone um so why 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 should I like carve myself to fit into something when I should stand out (laughs) absolutely love that and I think it's just one of those things where when people ask me about it I'm like what sense are you talking about and I also however have experience for take box aspect as well and it's like then people have helped I have to be very careful what I'm what I'm about to say so I don't name names but it's <laughs> that name drop <laughs> I, I was loved in the time and I felt extremely special however when a certain type of goodwill budget was done it was like, phew, like, done, don't talk to us. And it's like, you know, you made me feel seen, but then you made me feel seen as a tick box, despite them saying that people shouldn't be described as a tick box. It was one of those things where you didn't feel, like, I didn't feel used, but it also wasn't, was a weird way of sending it off. And I, I can't say the name of it yet, but I was on a dating show and it was made very clear the intentions of actually I'm going to re-record that sentence just in case very that's right I'm going to re-reset because I think actually they may even 
so I did a reality show and they made it very clear despite not trying to why I got on the show and it was very even though they weren't making obvious to me it was very obvious because I don't think they mm. understand how quickly we see it because we oh, can yeah. see through people if they're thinking about our about our universities we can see them in like flash and it's sort of and, and at the end in like one of the post interview aspects lots of the questions were tailored about my stammer and not how they would ask it on other people and it really made me think have I ticked that box but also I need to forget that in my head as well because it's like they also see me as someone else and it was that really weird brain process of like how have they seen me how have you producers Mm. are they seeing me for me as me or are they seeing me for me as me but also for my added like neurodiversities yeah that I had to be very careful of how I word that that answer (laughs) these shows these reality shows they obviously want um to show to show not like normal like normal people normal people have um disabilities normal people have neurodiverse like the new neurodiverse so sometimes you think oh maybe it is that but then other times you're like hmm am I the only best person here (laughs) and it's like is that We'll tell you post record more uh, after you recorded about it. But it's one of those things how you don't know how you're going to be. So, also, I'm always passionate about like ticking the box. So, yeah. my next question is a question that I normally ask everyone if they do or don't have a stamp up. But the question I had written, I've now going to tailor it slightly even more so we've already spoken about like what you do so normally I would ask someone what they do for a job and how having a stamp affects them yeah. but there's been a spanner chucked in for works as we sort of discussed in this episode I would love to know more about your acting career and like how you found like filming just feel free to talk about everything everything you can or anything you can I don't worry but also when you look back at your stammer, do you think there's still a little part of your brain that makes you think about your stammer whenever you do a job? Like, do you, does your stammer ever recur in your head thinking, oh, what if my stammer comes back? Yeah. Nice job. So, yeah. Um, so, with... I, I think I don't think about if it ever will come back because I think that... Uh, I don't know why, but I've, it's not in my brain for some reason. Yeah. It's like, I've literally, that part of my life, it, it's just, like I, like I said to you earlier, I, like, I just don't, I never sit down like, with, with being like autistic and like growing up, coming, like growing up and finding out I was autistic and then um, working stuff out with myself. I remember that and I, I, I always, sometimes I sit down and go, oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, yeah. Like you just go through your life, not go through your life, that sounds really deep, but like you sit there and you you do like recall their memories. But with my stomach, I just don't recall my memories and I, d- I think I should do it more. Um, But I think cause I had, I I resolve around it with such a negative thing. I think my brain's just cut, like cut it out type thing. Um, So I don't think, I don't think I ever thought like, oh, will it come back? Um, 
Yeah, because I don't, yeah, it's weird. It's just like, maybe I should, maybe I should recall my memories more. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I should, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, like when I was messaging you before this, it was just like, oh my God, like, because first of all, I wasn't going to say that I had a stammer. I was just going to really? say that I never, yeah. Um, and then I read the questions again and I was a bit like, hmm. And then I spoke to one of my friend's mums and friend's mums? No, my mum's friend, not my friend's one. My mum's friend. And I was just like, like I was sat in the car and I was like, oh, I've got this podcast to do. do I do I speak about it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and it was just like that, that all this, like whenever we said yeah. we we're gonna do this, about two weeks ago now. That whole two weeks, I was like, I'm not gonna say it, I'm not gonna say it. And then today I was like, I'm saying it. Um so yeah, I think it's just I think I didn't feel feel I also don't feel like I feel educated enough to speak about having a stammer as well. Because I feel like with being autistic, I when I found out I was autistic, I did so much research, research into that. And I really understood myself and why I did certain things. But with my stammer, it was like, I don't remember that time. So I feel like I don't, I'm not educated or I'm not, I don't have the right to speak about it type of thing. Um, yeah. Maybe, 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 maybe I need to go to therapy. <laughs> someone, someone does subtly think it's like, have I un, un, unraveled some that I shouldn't have unraveled them? It's like, yeah. what, what? Thinking, oh God, what have I started? But it's like, but, but I really appreciate you actually coming full of things then because I think it will make such a massive difference to so many people because I think there are a lot of people who have a stammer, but I think, I know that you've accepted yours, but I think there are a lot of people who haven't accepted it in their head that they've had a stammer. And I yeah. think it's a really key thing, because it's like, it is your voice. And my thing is, I've got things in my heart that I want, want to say, but sometimes I can't say it. As it's like, I know I shouldn't see it like that, and I should, and I do push myself, and I'm very open open about like being having stamina is great and makes you who you are but also there are some tough bits of life it sounds like we do have bad days we do have days where we stammer even more than possible and the more i feel like the more i'm open about the bad stuff and makes other people accept like i've had people reach out from like india nepal wow. um, nigeria america all over the place reached out to me about my stammer like having a stammer and I am not even I am a not a therapist but I'm also not a not a medically trained speech and language therapist mm. but my thing is I can offer advice from personal experiences and, and I know that sounds extremely deep but it's I can relate and I think having a stammer and being neurodiverse it's hard to explain it to someone who's not in most situations because I think no one can understand and like the brain may trigger like I can fully understand what you meant by like just going home just being like I'm done I'm done like yeah. I can fully relate to that however I feel like non neurodiverse or like non-autistic people won't understand that because I think oh no it's fine it won't take long at all to say and it's like we do just have to get it done and yeah. it's and I'm like, because that's why I do my speaking challenges, because I know if I do a presentation or if I go on for BBC to talk about my stammer, that may inspire someone in school to like read out in class. And that will lead me on to my next question very, very nicely. And I didn't mean to do that transition. But <laughs> it's one of those things where I think the more we talk about it, but I think 
I, I feel pri privileged that this is sort of your first time talking about your style because I think there are a lot of people who don't realise like we got Nicole Kidman, we got Stormzy, we got Ed Sheeran, we've got um James L. Jones, like so many famous people with a stammer. And I was doing some research about I'm not sure if I said it was on the podcast yet, but I was doing some research about the royal family and stammering because like the king's speech. Like one of the kings in like the 13th century had a stammer and speech and language therapy now is like Oh, how to slow down your words. Back then, the recommended bit of advice was to cut one, one of the vocal cords at the back, so for that would release the sound. When I read it, I thought, hmm, how things have changed. So, yeah. so things are slightly different. Yeah. But do you think now you look at... I, I feel like neurodiverse people see life in a different way, and I think we always see it in a more positive way because we know that we need positivity because we've been through so much and it's like we see it in a different aspect. Do you think you see things in a different situation than how one of your friends may see it because of how your neurodiverse magical brain works? Yeah, I definitely see different things different. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of words. Um, to some people, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the time though it's internal thought that like you think, you think like so a lot of the, a lot of my friends obviously know me very well. So I think what when I say something, they they get what I mean. Like I have like a really tight group of friends, and it's that that's the way I like it. And it's like if I'm like, oh yeah, can we go left here? Like uh, especially on the underground, I literally just yeah. thought about the underground. That's like, can we go this way instead? And they're like, like they didn't even question it. Like but yeah. before it'd be like why do you want to go left why can't why can't we go straight the way out it's that way and it's just like no let's go left here please yeah. <laughs> um but now they just don't question it and yeah I think I see different things different 100% um but a lot of the time it's internalized that like you think about it differently in inside you know I'm not very vocal about some things um so sometimes it's hard to tell if you do see things some yeah. uh, differently um but yeah a lot of it I probably do probably probably a lot of the time <laughs> and so I suppose, did you find, you'll see where I'm going with this, did you find like in school, when you had your stammer reading out in class, a challenge to so read register, but if your teacher said, oh, read out this chapter to your class, did you find that absolutely nerve-wracking and want to hide in a tiny corner? Um, well, yeah, well, it's more the fact that when, when they asked me, I'd always say no. Yeah. Um, and then they would, they would do the thing oh come on come on it's like no leave me alone um, and it's like yeah so I'd always I remember the time actually then someone kept saying the teacher kept going can you read this out one sentence I'm like no please leave me alone and they're like okay just just the no first of all they're like chapter and it's like oh what about the little bit there and I'm like no that line no and it's like okay and then I was like why do you have to ask four times to understand I don't want to read it out like, hey, I hated that when, you know, when the teachers always think that you have to read it out. And you're like, why do I have to read? There's 30 other kids in this room. Yeah. <laughs> Some definitely wanting to read right now. Um, so, yeah, that yeah, I, I it was if if I did get put on like gunpoint to read, I would have, but I wouldn't have. So um, yeah. Yeah, I always say no. So but I, I was I would be scared. Yes. Yeah. 
I can definitely feel you. But now I would love to talk to you about your very exciting new book. And I mean, as I said, when I was going through your profile and then was reading more about the book, I thought, oh my God, this book literally sounds amazing. And and I really wish that, that book, that your book was there when I was growing up as well. So yeah. there wasn't, like, there's no positive books about neurodiversity until yeah. yours now and I when I was on the title I thought yep he was like I don't care how hard I have to graft to get him to come onto a podcast so <laughs> like, this book has to come on because it was like literally it resonated so, with me so much then I taste my breath you like oh my god I found I, I found the guest and then she's like huh I was like what do you mean I was like he speaks my language I was like who speaks for Stamos or his wife like Superman and she's like, you really need to give me some more background on it. And then, then I told her, she's like, okay, yeah, I don't care what you have to do, but I get her onto a podcast. I was like, was I, I, not, was like, I don't care how many agents I have to go through. Was like, oh, if I slide through DMs, like, because literally it meant your book was like, that's how, how much it meant. Was I, like, when I saw I thought, okay, yeah, this is going to make an impact. So, where tell us more about the book also where did the where where did the idea come from um so i think it was the idea came from obviously it's all based on true events um growing up so a lot of it's like so the characters are me my sister my mum and dad um i didn't keep their real names because i was like you know don't want people finding out them i mean everyone knows my sister now but um yes i changed their names it just felt right yeah um and yeah, it's about growing up. Um, and basically it's, the story is that my parents have this big, um, this box, this old um, cardboard box, and it's a superpower of the day on it. And there's loads of bits of paper within uh, the box. Um, I don't know if I'm meant to be saying this much about the book, but I'm saying it, it's too late. Um, and basically it's loads of uh, slips of piece of paper inside the book, um, inside the box. And basically every, birthday every time that my parents felt like it was right I would always go into the bo- this box and pick out a super paper and it would be a superpower in it uh, which is my superpower of the day um so that would happen and then we would go for like do fun activities to make me feel like I had that superpower so that some one of them was like superhuman strength it was like um just like the 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 ones you see in the films basically um and then on my ninth birthday um I opened another one and it says autism and this this is obviously a different kind of superpower. Oh, is that the title? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> um, and it it just shows it shows like so my parents then navigate what you felt positively about them superpowers, feel it about this superpower. Um, and the message of the story is basically every day you've lived this superpower, you may have had other superpowers come into your life and go, but this whole time you've been um, navigating the world is you've had this superpower. Um, so it's just showing like a positive light and throughout the book it it shows like things that I did like I, I want to like emphasize this enough it's my personal experience some people will agree on something some people won't agree um being autistic is a spectrum there's everyone's experiences are different um but I hope that some people yeah like the younger people definitely see some similarities in the character in me in the story and find the positivity in being autistic and being neurodivergent. It's so powerful, like, and I think the way how you lead up to it is a very special way, because I think you sort of 
build that, build it up over time and other different chapters and other different superpowers to then reveal the biggest superpower. And yeah, it's sort of, well, as I said, it means a lot from a neurodiverse person seeing that story being portrayed. And I think it's very, also very open from you like coming forward about your your story as such yeah. how did you find writing it um so i so i i actually wrote it originally um as a theater play um so that's how i obviously got my idea well not my most of them are real um all of them are basically real but like putting all my ideas into the play um which i hope will happen maybe next year maybe a year after hopefully um, so I had the play and that was obviously like reading it, you understood the whole the whole story basically, but obviously that's different to a novel, like a children's uh, book. Um, so I, I don't know how we came across each other, but we, another author called James, James Lyons, he, um, I think he sent, no, he sent me one of his books um, for me to read. And then I was just like, can you help me with this? And it, it started off as a really like, oh, let's, like help me with a little bit and then we're like should we just do it together <laughs> so then we did the whole thing together and writing it was really interesting because it was just like having someone who is an author as well it's very it's very um helpful to be like I'd always sit there with him and I'd be like this is what I want to say how do I say it <laughs> um because like a play is different to a book like a play you can get away with being more um like speech more like like how I'm speaking now um, but with a novel, it needs to be more, it needs, it needs to sound better, basically. Um, so writing it was really easy. It was not really easy. It was a really easy process with James. Because um, I think because the story was all there, it was just like writing it down um, and finding like the ways to like put it into chapters. Um, we've got different chapters and I can't remember what they're called. I think one of them is called like, they're not called like chapter one, two, three, um, but they're different like moments in my journey. So it's like, welcome. And then it's like, let's start at the beginning. And then it's like, it goes through there. And then it's like, um, where am I? And then it's like, how I'm doing now or something on the last one. Um, but yeah, it was really fun, really fun. And then we got an illustrator as well, which is really helpful. Amazing. Um, so we've got the cover that everyone's obviously seen. No one's seen the inside illustrations yet. Um, it's like a cool, like, um, the party vibe um, throughout the book. Um, yeah, because in the book, this is another spoiler, spoiler. Um, in the book, I draw, because one of my um, methods to feel free and stuff like that was to draw. And um, so we incorporated into that book, into the book. And into the book, I actually draw the cover of the the cover, which you found out. Um, obviously not that well. <laughs> you need to see my drawing. It's, it's, all, it's all my story. It's um, yeah. on the highlights. Um, not that well, but I do draw it. Um, which is cool to in like corporate. It feels like it's like it feels yeah. nice together, especially that we've all me, James, and Katie. Their name is. We've all like we're all separate, but somehow we. It feels like it's together, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, right, and it was really fun, really cool. I think it took like wow. a, I think a year and a bit. Um, it's really fun. How does it feel now that it's nearly? Out well when when listeners listen to this, the book will be out. Um, and we will yeah. be including all the links to go and get it. And how do you feel now at this stage? Do you feel 
excited? Do you feel nervous or like do you feel ready? Does it feel <laughs> weird that you've been working on it for so long that it's now coming to that it has now come to life? It's we're talking in future tense, but does <clears> it feel how do you feel? Um, I feel really excited. I feel like um the one thing I really wanted to achieve from the book is literally to make people feel seen and make people feel appreciated as well as um, give that positive, positive representation to a community that doesn't have like um, lacks representation, let alone positive representation. So I'm just really excited, really. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm just excited. <laughs> nerves as well, nerves. I'll be lying. Yeah. I'm nervous, but... yeah. I can definitely like, like the nerves of launching like campaign on like a project is you've got a mixture of, of like adrenaline slash excitement yeah. but then it's also just like panic that you're just like will people actually people are actually gonna I forget yeah. I do I always like when we when we sell the books it's like oh that's really fun that the that people are really enjoying it they're selling everyone's um like like you said read the title and they really feel inspired and they yeah. want to they want to get their hands on it and read it and then I think one day they're actually going to read it. Um, yeah. How I feel about that, <laughs> but yeah, right now it just is. It feels weird, and then people are going to read it and actually put it on like their stories and speak about it. And it's like, yeah. oh god, here we go. <laughs> I do forget that part. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I want to get your your opinion on like a few different stigmas now, and so. Just so you know, so they did a YouGov poll and 27% of Brits think it's okay to make fun of someone with a stammer and possibly around it all about autistic people is probably higher. Mm. That's what I can imagine because we can both sadly believe it. Also, I feel like the stammering stigma hasn't changed at all in like the time like was doing this thing with Michael Rosen on Radio 4 and he read out a, a, a Shakespeare's quote and the way how Shakespeare he had written it in a really fancy way of course Shakespeare but the overall message of what he said and, and then a message that I said further down the episode was literally nearly word to word the stigma was exactly the same yeah how do you think we'll talk about something first stammering can be re- represented more in like the media world if it's like without making it because we've had like mushy from educating yorkshire of like his amazing story but one of my goals is to make stammering more i don't want to say normal but i want to make it more not the bigger thing like the character's main thing isn't their stammer it's just an aspect that i have a stammer how do you think we can make Stammering more represents without making it a not making it a storyline, but you know what I mean, right. like without making it a thing. Hundred percent. I think personally, I think obviously when I was saying that, I when I was younger, I never met anyone with stammer. So I feel, I feel like having, I think talking is the biggest thing everyone can do. Like, um, speak about, uh, speak about it, speak about experiences. I think that always helps as well, especially with people who struggle to be kind. Um, I think knowing experiences and for them to actually understand people um, is always helpful. So I think the main thing is to do, I think is obviously people get um, 
their misunderstandings and their um their not hatred that's the wrong word but like their when they're younger basically they get that they they their misunderstandings basically for why they're horrible is from when they're younger so yeah. i think having talks in schools having um that source of a resource i i when i was in primary school i don't think i had or secondary school i don't think i had one talk about neurodiversity i didn't think i even knew what it was but i didn't know what it was but like not like not fully how much yeah. i should have known what it was um because i did it all for myself but that means if me knowing i was autistic and i and i felt like i didn't know enough because i did all the research myself what does the person i'm sat next to know about it um and then that's the same for a stammer it's like um someone who has a stammer will know a lot about themselves and know a lot about how they feel their experiences but someone who doesn't if they're not being have if someone's not being given a platform to speak about their experiences and um stammers then then no one's going to learn so i think yeah talks um and being exposed to real people with real stammers yeah so which is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I love that answer and and yeah I think having a conversation is key like what we're doing now does having a conversation yeah. helps because I'm like if we want to talk about change how can we change if we do nothing about it and it's like we need to talk and like I'll, I'll, my final question is is advice I'll say that for the end but well my next question is, is that advice but for another thing so there are a lot of people with a stammer who would love to go into like acting like they're going to fear, mm. but are but they are afraid of their stammer holding them back from doing certain jobs or like just doing it full stop. What advice would you give them? Well, I think the industry needs I think I said this earlier, like the industry needs to be more open and more accessible to everyone. Um so I think go for it. Um, go for what you want to do and um, the industry is obviously not as um, what's the word um, I think I just said that accessible as it should be so I think going for it and showing that people with stammers people who are autistic people who are neurodiverse um, can do it then they're gonna give more space for people to have those um, those platforms those um opportunities um so yeah i just say go for it and yeah so i've got a question that i ask all my guests who don't have a stammer to get their perspective but now i'm going to ask you this question from a perspective of you don't having a stammer now but also you talking to your younger self about what you would have wanted to happen so you went into a bar and you saw someone was stammering ordering a drink. You saw that the bartender wasn't being nice to a person with a stammer. And you could see that the person with a stammer was struggling. And what would you do in that situation? Would you talk to a person who was stammering? Or would you talk to a bartender about the situation? Or would you do it after? Or how would you go about the situation? Um, really for you straight on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm walking into the bar now. Um, yeah. In what way is the person with the stammer struggling? Is they like... they're stammering saying the order, um, and then the bartender's basically making oh. a out of it. Um, 
walk in someone's well i my my instincts is to to speak to the guy being horrible first but i think i'm not sure if that is the right thing to do but i think it i, I think it is i feel like if because i'm very if i see someone being horrible then i would go i would say something to them yeah. um and i think i would just wish him away wish him away <laughs> and be like get away let me have someone else at the bar um and then i'll speak to them obviously and see if they're okay um because i think i'll just yeah i, I don't know if i'd swear maybe not <laughs> but depending how many drinks in yeah in the evening. that person is a idiot yeah. um so i think yeah i think the instinct is just to be like get lost and then speak to this person and maybe make a friend you know <laughs> I think that's one of the simplest but best answers. So, the, the listeners are probably thinking I'm going on the story again. So, a few years ago, I, I, I was at Baker Street Tube Station. And if you know Baker Street Tube Station, there's about a dozen platforms in all different areas of the station. So, it's very easy to get lost. I was running late for a meeting. So, I was like, oh, where do I need to go to get to X station? He doesn't over there. So, right. So I went over, still got lost, went back and started being extremely British, being like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm a bit confused. Basically said sorry about 50 times, but and but at this one, I, I was stammering quite a lot because I, I was anxious and that's when I stammer. Whilst I was stammering, he was rolling his eyes at me and he then told me even more detail. <coughs> he then told me even more detail about where to go the second time. And then he told me to F off because he had already told me once. And I was quite stressed because he was reacting to my stammer and he wasn't giving me time. And no one came up to me after in that situation. And I raised a complaint to TFL and they did nothing about it. And they didn't even refund my tube ticket either. They were like, oh, sorry, we pride in making sure that everyone's treated the best that they can be and even though I gave a description of the exact timing of a platform they just said no sorry we can't match the person here with so we can't go uh, and for a lot of people that would have been an extremely hard situation mm. and then a few months ago it was something so I thought and then I never say American like I don't really drink American but normally I stammer quite a lot when I say it and I was like, oh, can I get the iced Americano? And I stammered. And she re she repeated my order five times. And then, and then she repeated it again. She made me repeat it again. And then she literally just said, boof, there you go. There's your drink. And then, like, I had wasted her time. And it's one of those situations where I think we just have to learn from it and just how to do, but also not let it affect us. Yeah, that'd be much. But it's been absolutely amazing talking. Like it's been such an amazing episode. But I got one last question to ask you, yeah. which I ask every single guest: if you could give three three pieces of advice to someone who stammers and three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer, what would they be? Um. Okay, that's got my fingers ready. Um. Oh my god. Okay. The three piece of advice to someone who doesn't stammer, I say, learn more. Um, be kind. 
Um, learn more, be kind. Um, oh, <laughs> learn more, be kind, and um, and talk. I think. I think, and I think that's a bit like learning more, but I talk. Um, I think that I think that is. Do you think that's different? Learn more and talk. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, talking is yeah about personal. Yeah, yeah. and someone does have a stammer. Um, um, do what you want to do. Uh, don't 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 let anything hold you back. You can do anything. Um, number two. God, is, I'm really, I'm really thinking it. I'm like, I'm trying to think of three. Um, don't let you can do whatever you want to do. Number two. I don't know if this is the right one, but call people out. I think is that a good one? Yeah, I like it because I think some people like with that person who gave me the coffee, they're being a massive idiot. But like, um, maybe they didn't realize they were being an idiot so maybe call them out but I don't know if that's the maybe that isn't the right thing to do because it's quite overwhelming but I'm, I'm really in my, I'm really in my thought <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking out loud um no I'm gonna I'm gonna withdraw that one um I'm gonna withdraw that one yeah don't anything hold you back you can do anything um talk to people I think that's someone talk um and And I'm trying to think of the third one. Um, can you help me with a third one? <laughs> I, what I think, it, um, Ben, I said everyone is, just don't let it hold you, just embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that is true, because I said, I said, do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Don't let it hold you back. So that's, that is kind yeah. of two. And talk to people and, um, Educate people, yeah, yeah, love it. <laughs> I was how long did that take? <laughs> Ten hours. <laughs> I thought, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and yeah, I I really appreciate you being so open, but also really being open about your stomach where I where I imagine you probably not discovered that part of your brain for many, many, many years. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. That's great. <laughs> And I mean, as I said earlier, you'll be able to find all the links in the description of this episode. And, and you'll also find all, all of Bradley's links so you can go and find him, follow him, etc. And yeah, thank yes, you so but... much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone get the book. And well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And keep an eye because we will have our Christmas special coming out soon with a very exciting guest. And and yeah, just enjoy all our content that's going out at the minute. We've been, when I say we, I'm, I'm a one-person band, band, but I like to use the term we. But yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going out, and I hope to see you in the next episode soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to keep an eye out as we have some really exciting guests coming on in the future, which you won't want to miss. We are continuously posting on our Instagram, Twitter and TikTok, so make sure you join us on those platforms where we post fun facts and any exciting projects that are going on. If you have a stammer and looking to join a community of like-minded people, 
Come and join with Stammer Stories Just Say community on Storyboard. Storyboard is a peer support platform that makes it easy to connect with others that are going through similar life experiences. It hosts communities and personal stories covering all aspects of the human experience. Download the app from your app store today and join the Just Say official peer support group. That's all for now, but I'll see you next time for our next episode. Thanks.